When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The Oilers lose their second in a row, and they are in an early hole 3-6 and six on the young season. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 10.46 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins inside Rogers Place, Harlan Ford Overtime Open Line. Well, Rob, Ultimately, an entertaining game, mm-hmm. an odd game in some respects, and we'll talk about some of that play and refereeing as we move through the show tonight. But the Leafs' power play came in deadly. They go two for four tonight, really three for four. They scored a goal just as a penalty to the Oilers expired. So their power play is up to 42.9% on the season. And on the other side of things, the Oilers' penalty kill isn't getting the job done. It slips to 72.4%. I mean, a drop of uh, almost 15% from last season. And and they've allowed a couple of goals just shortly after penalties have expired. So so really, you could even round that down to 70%. What's First of all, what's... And we recognize the Leafs got a lot of great players, but it's, it's not just tonight the Oilers have been scored on while at a man disadvantage. What do you see? Well, uh, I see a lot. Uh, a... The, the things that really come back and haunt you when you're penalty killing is when you have an opportunity to get the puck out of the zone and you don't. Uh, the game winning goal, Yamamoto has the puck on his stick on the boards. He doesn't get it out. Uh, he tries throwing it hard, but he threw it hard on the ice and that's uh, along the boards. That's where the defense or defenseman is and he's going to keep it in. You've got to get pucks out when you have the opportunity. You've got to get in shooting lanes. On the Matthews goal, Jones, if you watch the replay, Jones is not in the shooting lane. And Matthews, who quite possibly has the best shot in the National Hockey League, and if not, he's in the top three or four, he has time to walk in and, and pick his spot. And it's an absolute bomb. So you got that, and then you got face-offs. The Oilers don't win enough face-offs. At the beginning of the season, we talked about the additions that the Oilers had coming in and the, adding the tourists, adding a Barry, uh, how good their power play is going to be. And, and I, you and I talked, and I said the one thing that scared me going into this season was going to be their penalty kill. It was so good last year, won them so many hockey games, but they were losing Clefbaum, and, and no, no fault of their own. An injury kept him out, and he's a big part of every aspect of the Oilers' games, but he's out. And you were losing a, a, a bit player in, in Riley Shan, who wasn't, didn't bring what they needed 5-on-5, five five, but he was part of that penalty kill that was, was a second in the National Hockey League last year. He started every penalty kill. He always came out for the very first face-off. He was, he was good. And so now you had to find guys to fill a spot on, on the back end in Clefbaum, who averaged two minutes a night penalty killing, and a spot up front as a lead guy uh, who takes that opening face-off. And so far this season, they haven't found that guy and or those guys to do it. And the team that is average on a good night five-on-five, five, which the Oilers are, they need their specialty teams to be excellent. And you talked about it before the game. They're fifth, both power play and penalty killing. Their power play will continue to get better. In the division, out of seven. Yeah. Yeah, out of their division, yeah. Their, their power play will get better. We, we, we know that. That's going to come with some breaks. Their power play is going to get better. It's the penalty kill that scares you. 
because it, it takes away from your aggressiveness as a, as a team because you're afraid to take penalties. And it is so deflating for a hockey team that when your power, penalty killing is at 70%. So uh, to me, not getting pucks out, not getting in passing lanes and not getting in shooting lanes. And then the final piece, and this is what Bob always talks about, who's your best penalty killer, they need a big save. And uh, not going to blame Koskinen on the goals, but sometimes your goalie has to make that save that you weren't expecting, and we didn't get that. Well, and I think it's the same story. Now, the first goal tonight was a blunder. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, he misplayed it behind the net, and sure, you could probably factor some other players into that, but it it wasn't a, a dangerous shot that, that got behind him. So I, I think it's the same story w- with Koskinen. Uh, I mean, most nights he doesn't let in an incredibly bad goal, but he has let in a few this season. And, you know, Anderson made some huge saves yep. at, at, at the right time, and ultimately Miko couldn't tonight, and... You know, I know we got asked about Miko a few games ago. Somebody said, well, how, how do you see him? And I said, well, he's, he'd probably be a pretty good backup. Yeah. You know, he'd probably be a good, he's probably the 35th to 40th best goalie in the league. But, you know, when you got to lean on him night after night, like there hasn't been a game where you really say, okay, he, he stole it for the, I mean, maybe the, maybe the first Toronto game, I guess he was, maybe. he was pretty good. But it's but generally you're hoping he can at least saw it off with the other guy and then the other players the other players win. Well you're probably looking at him and you're you're thinking there hasn't been a game he's won for the team. There hasn't been a game where okay, it was on the goaltender. He hasn't had either. He's just been vanilla. Whereas we've played against teams where well the other night in Winnipeg, uh Hellebuck wasn't good in the first period, but as the game went on, he he, he stopped two breakaways on Cassie, and he stopped Neil coming out two or three times from the side. He made the big saves, and that's what goaltenders have to have the ability to do is make a big save at the right moment, mm. and that's what the Oilers aren't getting. And again, it's it's not on cost. And, and also you throw the fact in <laughs> there's just too many grade-A scoring chances that the Oilers are giving up. Again, tonight, it, it I don't think this would be a, a defensive masterpiece. And uh, when you don't have uh, a Vezina Trophy goalie in net for you or a former Stanley Cup winning goaltender in net or a guy who's been your team MVP, you're putting a lot of pressure on a guy who his track record in the NHL is just, he's been okay. And there's been a lot of pressure on him because of the mistakes that are being made in front of him. Leafs take it 4-3. You're, you were talking about the faceoffs too, Rob, on the power play. The NHL stat sheet has the Leafs winning five of six face-offs on the power play. I'm not sure if that, that might need to be updated because they still have Wayne Simmons' goal as an even-strength goal. It definitely was not. No, it was it was That, that was in, a power yeah. play goal, yep. so maybe there's a face-off or two that might still need to be recorded. That they but, won. <laughs> but but still, even, even, if, even if there wasn't, there's... There's you know a huge discrepancy in terms of the face-off advantage for the Leafs while they were uh, on the power play now the Oilers did go 67 percent on their power play face-offs which you should win because if it's tied off one of the extra guys should go in and win the puck we'll continue talking about this one but let's hear from the Oilers head coach courtesy mattress superstore give them five minutes and they'll give you the best sleep of your life take the sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress here's Dave Tippett Dave, there's some positives tonight, but, you know, Miko talked about the first ones on him. You've had that from different guys all year where it just seems, you know, like a big play that results directly in a goal, and it's really hard to come back in, in usually 3-2 or 4-3 games. 
Yeah, we, we, you know, we shoot ourselves in the foot. You got that one as, uh, you know, misplayed by, and then we got the two, the winning goal and the third goal, or you take poor penalties because you're, you know, after the second period, we get a bunch of power plays. You know they're looking to give us a penalty, and we still want to slash people and hook people, which is, that's just your your tempting fate, and then penalty killing is sacrificing and getting in lanes and getting saves. And the last two goals, our players didn't want to get in the lane, and we didn't get a save, so we end up on the back end of it. But there's a lot of try. Like I, I thought there were some good things in the game, but ultimately we're shooting ourselves in the foot and costing us goals. You mentioned how last game you liked your third line. They got some chances, didn't score. Well, Cassian did score to tie the game. What have you thought of that of that trio? Nah, they're a work in progress. You know, they're kind of a they kind of muck around there, and uh, it's good to see Cass get on the board. I think Neil had six shots or something like that. You know, they're they're a work in progress, but hopefully we can continue to get them working and. Uh, and contributing a little bit offensively and just being a plus line. Mark Spector, Sportsnet. Yeah, so on that theme, do you, do you really need to find a way to win some games here that 97 and 29 don't win for you? Yeah, you know, you? A, yeah there's, there's a lot of ways to win games, and there's a lot of times your top players have to do it for you, but it would be nice to win a, uh, you know, a game another way. You you moved your power plays unit around. You had Barry off it. You had Barry on it. You tried Nurse. Um, are you anywhere close to settled, Dave, on this thing? Or uh, <laughs> part of part of part of the uh, switching around is by design. It gives a di different looks. The three main characters are on it, but then it gives a different looks, and that's what it, it makes it. Uh, harder for the opposition to read. You know, you have different right hand, left handed at the top and at the bottom. So there's different different things that we're looking for on, on so you're showing different looks. So that's part of that is by design spec. It's uh, you're looking for people to on any given kind of play that we're looking for. Same with the five on three. We're looking for a certain thing on a five on three that that uh, a lot of times it, the left and right shot determine the other the other guys on it. Jim Matheson, Post Media. Uh, Dave, would it be easier for a coach if it was the same thing that was was hurting you every game, if it, as opposed to is something different? I mean, your penalty killing hasn't been anywhere near as good this year as, as last year, for sure. Oh. But it's the giveaways sometimes, and then you weren't scoring power plays early, but now you're scoring them. Would it be easier? Yeah, I mean, there's lots, the same thing? There, there's lots of giveaways in the game, both sides. You know, like we had enough chances to win that game tonight, but you know, we. We, uh, you tempt fate when you you give a good a good power play. You give them opportunities. Uh, they're going to score. So you you got to find ways to win. That's exactly it. You you got to find ways to win and find ways not to lose, right? And that's that's what bothers me is we're we're making mistakes that are you know taken away from a chance to win, and those are the ones that bother you. So sometimes the team can be three and six, and the coach can say, "You know what? We're not that bad. We're better than that." Are you a three and six team? Should you be three and six? No. I, well, there's, there's. I feel like we at times we play better than that, but we've got that record because we brought a lot of that trouble on ourselves. Last question, Jason Greger, TSN 1260. 
Dave, two-parter, uh, Gaetan Haas, any chance he's available this weekend? And uh, have you thought at all about uh, what your goaltending strategy is going to be in the back-to-back? I think about it all the time. I'm still thinking about it. Gaetan Haas is... Uh, Skating, we had a good skate today. We'll have a full practice tomorrow and we'll see where he is for the weekend. Thank you. That concludes Dave Tippett's media availability. All right, that's Oilers head coach Dave Tippett as the Oilers fall 4 3 to the Maple Leafs. I, I thought his first comment was pretty astute. A lot of self inflicted wounds still for the team. And so they've lost six games out of nine. They were blown out once. Montreal absolutely destroyed them in that 5 1 game. And then you look at a lot of other of those games, you can look at three plays, five plays, you know, around there where it's like, okay, the orders were didn't execute on that play. They made the bigger mistake or they made the a foolish play or they didn't execute in the offensive end. And he touched on it there. Okay, they didn't get penalty kills when he touched on it on why you need a save, you need a block shot, but also don't wind up in the box. And and you knew when the power plays were five one after the second period the Oilers were probably going to be shorthanded at least a couple of times in the third. Well, you you asked me at the end of the second period, what do the Oilers need to do? And I said, well, they're going to have to kill some penalties. We knew that was coming. Uh, and they're going to need a big save on the penalty kill. They didn't get the big save. And as Tippett said, they took penalties that were easy for the ref to call. Um, we, you and I talked. We said that the, the refs talk in, the dress, or in their little dressing room between periods about what's going on in a game. No... Refing crew is ever going to want to come out at the end of the game with one team with seven power plays, the other team with one, especially in a low event game. This was a non. There was a number of power plays in a game that had maybe two hits. I mean, seriously, there was what ten power plays, and can you can you remember three hits in this game? Well, Yamo should have got a cross-checking penalty, and then they yeah. they missed stuff too. They mi- they missed the they, obvious they missed, ones, like, and then like it just it was. I I think it was a poorly refed game. Uh, and probably more so for the Maple Leafs than it was for the Oilers, but it was a poorly ref game. Well, the Oilers got seven power plays. The Leafs got four. Yeah, so so it was just, it wasn't a good ref game, but you knew coming out of the the, the second period, as Tepit talked about, and I'm sure they talked in the dressing room, don't give the ref the opportunity because he wants to make a call. And it was, you know, getting your stick across the body. The one that I think it was Archibald, took at the blue line the Oilers had four guys back yeah so I mean it again it wasn't a anything vicious it wasn't and in most games that's not called but they're looking to call something and this was a non-dangerous situation he was on the blue line he was going east west he wasn't even going towards the net when you tried getting your stick underneath his his hands so those are the self-inflicted inflicted wounds that you're talking about and dave tippett's talking about uh, when right now breaks don't seem to always be going to your team when they're not you can't help the other team out and i think that's what the others have done too many times this year they've given Grade A scoring chances out of nothing, out of two on twos, out of even odd, even rushes, and they've turned those into great scoring chances for the opposition. You just can't do that. Maple Leafs win at 4 3. Whenever Edmonton scores five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That is presented by Japanese Village Restaurants now offering takeout. Please visit jvedmonton.ca for details. You can get us at 780 496 0063. We will welcome Brandon. To overtime open line. Brandon, you're on with Rob and Reed. Go ahead, sir. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. It's nice to hear from you. 
Good to hear from you guys too. Um, now, two things for me. Number one, um, people laughed at me a lot. You know, just typical positive Oilers fans because you know there's so many of them, and they were saying because I was saying I thought the Oilers would finish second last to last in this division this year. And I said that before this season, and people laughed at me. But I think that's just showing more and more that this team is not even close. I think they're maybe two to three years away from the playoffs. And the bigger thing is, I just want your guys' opinion. What do you think is holding Dave Tippett back from putting back Nuge on the second line? Like, I know people bring it up all the time. But at some point, it can't hurt to try it. Because at the moment, it's just like you, you have an ugly pig on, in, the, in the Oilers and you're putting lipstick on the pig. It's just McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like it doesn't change the complexion of the team. Maybe just changing that up. What do you guys think? So it'll give Cahoon maybe a ride with McDavid? I don't know. Well, in all honesty, the first two lines haven't been a problem. That's the thing. The first two lines are scoring. Uh, McDavid is... I think he might be leading the league in scoring right now. If he's not, he's one off. And Settle was within one or two. So both lines are scoring. The Oilers have four offensive players on their team. And then after that, it's, it is it is a huge, huge drop. So if you put three of the four on one line, who does Connor McDavid play with? That's the problem. You got Connor McDavid, who many in the world think he is the best player. So now you're putting the best player in the world with, I mean, who? That's the problem. They've got no one, so that's why they're, they're, Nuge is still playing with McDavid, and McDavid likes that. So when your star player likes that line mate, you also got to take that into consideration. So uh, the five-on-five, five, the two top lines uh, have been plus all year long. They're both scoring with the two your two leaders at the top, if not the top in the National Hockey League. That's not why they're losing hockey games right now. They're losing hockey games because their specialty teams aren't good enough. Their goaltending has been outplayed in most games and defensively it has been a train wreck at times so you could you could put change the lines but it, i don't think it makes that big a difference i still think that's a relevant point that brandon made because as you know i've been a proponent of putting oh. that line back together and, and i realize it could create other issues but you know you're three and six and tonight two of the three goals were we're on the power play, mm-hmm. and I I just wonder, Rob, is does the advantage of having that line back together, assuming it can be at or near what it did last season, and perhaps that's a big assumption to make, but does it help not only when that line is on the ice, does it create momentum for other lines? Because you know the value of forechecking and tiring defenders out and getting face-offs in the other team's end. I just wonder if that line together creates a ripple effect that helps other lines as well. I, I say no, it wouldn't. Because right now, Drysaddle's plus, what, eight on the season? So his line has done that. His line has been that good this year. McDavid's line, I mean, they're creating chances, and the third and fourth lines aren't getting any momentum off that. The, 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 the last... How many years has it been where it's been one, two line, and then all of a sudden the next two, the momentum's all gone? Uh, you you can't. Connor McDavid's not. He he wants to play with Brian Nugent Hopkins. So he, it's gonna it, he's gonna be playing with Brian Nugent Hopkins. Their issues aren't with Leon's line because Leon's line has been fine. Their issues aren't with Connor's line because Connor's. I mean he's leading the league in scoring. So. 
you're not going to put your. Th I don't see them putting th their three three of their top four players on one line and leaving Connor by himself. I well, just don't see that happening. I would do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dave Tippett, he has no, last I don't think Dave Tippett uh, is going to do well, it. Well, put it this way. I don't think Dave Tippett wants it, and I don't think Connor McDavid wants it. No, probably. And I don't think Ken Holland wants it. Well, I don't think I. I honestly don't think Ken Holland gets involved when it when it comes to line change. When no, but I, no, but I think there's been discussions about how they want to structure the team, and and I mean certainly they'll. Ken Holland won't direct how the lines are, but coaches and managers talk about decisions and deployment. A little, but uh, to me it's Dave Tippett and Carter McDavid like the line the way it is. That's my thought. All right. Well, but uh, but again, they can't like the results the way they are. No, but it's is that on is that on those two lines though? No. So I mean, the results the the reason they lost today had nothing to do with Leon's line or Connor's line. The fact that they couldn't stop. I mean, they gave up more or less three power play goals tonight. That's why they lost the game. True. Yes, that is that's a big reason why tonight. I just think bigger picture for the season. I I would have liked to see that line together. Perhaps I I, mean, I would have tried it earlier in the year. Like, I would have started when you started one and two or one and three. Again, it's, I've got the same, I'll give you the same reasoning. Dave Tippett and Connor McDavid like the line the way it is. Leafs win 4-3 over the Oilers tonight. Austin Matthews got the game winner on the power play with 6.24 to go. It went, uh, it went back and forth, really starting with about two minutes left in the second period. Dreisaitl scored on a two-man advantage. That pulled the Oilers within a goal. Then he scored on another power play with exactly 13 minutes left. Leafs got a power play. Simmons scored 56 seconds later. Cassian scored a five-on-five -five goal with 8.48 to go, and then uh, Matthews got the game winner. And that uh, that Cassian goal, that was a good shift for the Oilers. Very and good. it was Turris, and Nugent Hopkins was uh, was out there. I, I don't know if that was... Because then Nugent Hopkins stayed out with his actual line, so I don't know if it was a partial change or a quick uh, double shift, but both Larson and Jones did a good job keeping pucks alive on that. Well, Larson, I think it was Larson's was the one. It was desperation because it was um, Simmons coming up the boards, and if Simmons got the puck past Larson, he was gone. I think it was a two-on-zero, oh, as the Oilers completely sold out on the forecheck on that one. Larson makes a great play keeping it in, and then Turris did what he needed to do, get the puck on net, and Cassian's where he's supposed to be in front of the net, and we haven't seen enough of that. And it's funny, it was a better night for the third line, but I think. I, I'm pretty sure both Cassian and Turris were minus again in this game. And that's on a, a, a game where they scored an even-strength goal. So that, Cassian was plus. Cassian, oh, was, oh, sorry, Cassian Turris was, was minus. One, Turris was minus one. Yeah, so there's your, again, And minus. Leon's now plus five on the season, by the way. Uh, we were not, talking, not we were talking no, but we were talking about five-on-five five plays because we're taking away the empty net goals. If you're going to, because that's what Bob was talking about before oh, okay. the game. All right. Well, empty net goals count. No, that not plus minus. That's well, the sure they do. no. That sure is they do. The if, you dumbest... been, if you would have played better earlier in the yeah, game, that is, ahead, you wouldn't give up. The yeah, but that has nothing about the play when the guy shoots it from <laughs> 200 feet down into an empty net. It's well, a it means your stupid rule. Means your team's losing. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a reason. So, why yeah, so losing. your penalty killing was awful. <laughs> so you take the punishment of a minus because they couldn't stop it. All right, we're gonna call a quick timeout. The Leafs win at 4-3. You can get us at 780-496-0063. You'll also hear from Connor McDavid and Miko Koskinen. Heartland Ford, overtime open line. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Toronto 4, Edmonton 3 is the final. The Oilers now an alarming 3-6 and six to start the season. 
other action this evening presented by Advantage Trailer Rentals with daily, weekly, monthly, and rent-to-own options. Head to AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. It is the Canucks beating the Senators 4-1. The Senators dropped the 1-6-1 on the year. Canucks are 5-5. Five five. Coyotes beat Anaheim 3-2. Avalanche shut out the Sharks 3-0. Dallas is 4-0 thanks to a 7-3 triumph over Detroit. Minnesota wins at home 5-3 against the Kings. The Canadians are 5-0-2. 4-2 victory against Calgary. Both of Calgary's goals were late in the third period. Blue Jackets get by the Panthers 3-2 in a shootout. In overtime, Carolina 1, Tampa Bay nothing. Capitals double up the Islanders 6-3 to go to 5-0-3. Flyers knock off the Devils 3-1. Rangers win in overtime 3-2 against the Sabres. Alexis Lafreniere, first NHL goal, and it is the overtime winner. And Boston beating Pittsburgh who had some surprising news about their what general manager yesterday. 4-1 Boston wins. Really weird situation in, in, in Pittsburgh where a general manager quits during the season in a surprise. And there was a rumor that there was someone wrote today that he wanted to trade Latang and he wasn't allowed to and they had a power struggle and he just left. Now, I don't know if any of that's true, but it was written today. Yeah, John Shannon referenced that on our face-off show. Oh, did maybe he? there's just some politics behind the scene because he came out and didn't really give a reason. And said it, he said it wasn't health. Says it wasn't health and apparently it was made the last couple of days. So it's not like the owner knew or yeah. anybody else knew. Sometimes there might be discussions, okay, I'm not feeling great or it's time to pay attention to family. It was just like, no, he's he's done. Yeah, they said that he said it one night and the next morning he came, still adamant, and, and left. And that, yeah, that, that that's a weird one. So obviously I would think that there's a power struggle and if you don't, if, you, if you're the GM and you don't have the power to make the moves that you want to make, especially when you've had success, what's he have, three Stanley Cups? If you don't trust me to make the right moves, well, all right, I'll move on. Because the one thing he did say, he wasn't done being a general manager. This wasn't him retiring. Yeah. So at that now he's at the age where easily he could, could retire. Yeah. yeah. But he he doesn't want to be, and he's still had success as as recent as a couple of years ago, winning the Stanley Cup. So yeah, it's too bad. It's weird, and the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, their what is it window, is starting to close. I mean, they've got the two greats. Malkin and Crosby, but they're on the back end of their career. So if they're going to make a, a push, it's got to happen, you know, this year or next year, or, you know, they've wasted the last couple of years of their, their great and storied careers. All right, here at Rogers Place, it's the Maple Leafs beating the Oilers 4-3. Again, the Toronto special teams, a huge factor in this game. Two for four on the power play officially, but really three for four because they scored another power play goal right when Turris's penalty expires. So their power play is up over 40% for the season, and the Oilers really, really struggling on the penalty kill. 780-496-0063. We have Alan standing by. Hello, Alan. Thank you for calling. Go ahead. Hi, Reed. Hey. How are you? Yeah, doing well. Thanks for calling. Yeah, uh, i got two points in the game, and then I've got one other point. Sure. Uh, in the game... What I see, first of all, is we're giving up possession of the puck. Like it seems like they're, they're shooting the puck in their in their own defensive zone to nobody, but they're, they're giving it to Toronto tonight. Mm-hmm. So they're not they're they're giving up possession, which isn't good. Number and number two, we talked about the power or the penalty killing, and if you watch Matthews' goal and any of the other goals that have been scored on them lately. They're in a line. They're in a line. They're not skating or moving. 
and their box, they're shrinking because they're almost like they're all trying to play goal. But, and they're leaving the outside wide open. That that's that's what they're supposed to do. That's what they're trying to do. They're saying, you know what, stay on the outside. Now, when they get them on the outside, then they got to do a better job of getting in shooting lanes. But most, right. if you watch all of the the teams in the National Hockey League, when they penalty kill, they let you throw the puck around the outside all you want. Oh, the, oh, the outside's good, but you can't be in a line though. You can't. You can't. You can be in a box, but you can't collapse the box. No, teams do that. Uh, the problem for the Oilers is is just is the shooting lanes. Like tonight, Matthews, I mean, that's fine. He has the puck right there, but just get in the lane. And if you watch the the shot, Jones gets out of the way, and Matthews has a great opportunity. And you can't let Matthews shoot. I don't care where on the ice. <laughs> no, that's true. And my other point I want to make is they talked about uh, goaltending, and they talked about goaltending on the Stoffers uh, show today. And I'm just allude back to 2011. Edmonton drafted number one. They took by far Nugent Hopkins. I'm a fan. And at 31, they had a chance because the best player available at 31, John Gibson at 39. And I'm not saying that they blew it. Why would you take the seal when you got the the goaltender that won the World Juniors? And and he was he was compared to Carey Price then. We've never had a goalie since Ranford and Granfear. We need goaltending. Well, I had a pretty good Oilers goalie on the faceoff show today. That had a pretty good run. Roll us. Oh, he was very, very yeah, good. They got him later well, in his career, though. Well, but well, yeah. Roll it. Well, yeah. But I mean, they have. I mean, Curtis Joseph was good. But, so I, but they haven't. They haven't had a homegrown. I mean, Dubnik. Uh, was on the up the upswing, and then he had a really bad start, and he got traded for Matt Hendricks, who who I admired, but that's not an even trade. No, considering how well Dubnik went on to to play after that. So yeah, I mean that's 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 fair. I, I mean they haven't uh, they haven't had a homegrown goaltender be a solid guy for I guess a really long time. Maybe I'm missing somebody. Well, I mean the one that they they had and he's gone is Bressois. Was he not a draft pick for the Oilers? And he's no, playing. he was a Flames draft pick. Oh, they tra- right. traded him. And then and he's, and then, I mean, look, he's he's a backup. I yep. mean, he's, no, you're he's right. not a starter. But uh, and, and yeah, obviously, we know the impact a, a goalie can have. Uh, you know, when Talbot was a big part of them making the playoffs a few years ago. But yeah, I mean, that we can. I'm sure maybe we'll do that sometime on my show. Go back over the the draft history. I mean, but you could. It's always who they could have had or should have had. That's sometimes not. Totally sure. fair, but Gibson was a, a hot prospect yep. for for sure, and so, he's yeah. turned out to be a, a fantastic yeah, he's a goaltender, very, yeah. very good goalie, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, no, it's an interesting interesting call by uh, by Allen for sure, and yeah, the the PK it looks it it does look a little too passive to me, Rob, and I know you want to keep guys to the outside, but what I've noticed that especially what the Leafs did tonight is they they didn't charge at McDavid but they pressure him back they put him in an area they, they wanted him to the go against the wall so they're, they're, so they're not they're not going oh I'm furiously going to try to steal the puck from you but they it looked like they're trying to squeeze him a little bit well they they, they have they know where his his strengths are and they want to try and keep him away from it and you can only do it so much i mean they, i mean the others still did score a couple power play goals the one thing that we did see last year at the penalty killing for the others they were aggressive a lot of the time, like they, if there was a bobble or uh, someone turned, or if the puck was going in the direction that you knew that it was going there, they attacked, and they were very good at that. Um, well, you see, when when players, well, let's both 
uh, power play goals in the third period. The first one, or the second one, when Matthew scored, he walked in and fired the puck on net. No one in his shooting lane, and he had time to come and, and find the right angle to where he goes. And the other one, the one that Simmons got in front, same thing, Marner on the opposite side. Marner came off the boards, found the shooting lane that he wanted, and had all the time in the world to take the shot. Simmons, right where he's supposed actually both goals, Simmons was right in front of the net. He screened Koskinen on, on Matthew's goal as well. So there's two great examples of uh, the Oilers, A, not being aggressive, on those shooters and be not getting in the shooting lane because both guys had clear paths to the net and they took the shots. So the penalty killing has not been anywhere close to as good as it was last year. And in all honesty, the Oilers have, how many one goal games have they had this year? They've had. Well, they allowed an empty netter in Winnipeg. Yeah, I don't, but we'll call that a, a one goal yeah, game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So they had the empty netter against Toronto. So, so three, if you count this one. Well, this one was a one-goal game. Yeah, so three, and, and their penalty kills. What's the difference in the season if their penalty yeah, killing is kill one goal better? Penalties. Yeah, you're so. right. Yeah, and I think you make a good point about last year just pouncing on loose pucks and not being foolishly nope. aggressive, oh, no, but no, no, recognizing, or again, even what the Leafs did tonight. Okay, this guy has the puck, but if I go here and my buddy down low does this, we know probably what he's going to do because we've taken away some options and yeah and i think and i I understand what though what what alan said when he said about them getting in a line and i know sometimes now it's different across the top but i almost feel like it's not it's not spaced properly because then they can get the puck to a guy the offensive team can get the puck to a guy on the side and then he will have a little more room because there's not a f- defending but if you look there. if you look that's what teams do they, yeah i they know, criss- I know cross, they're doing that that's they're all doing that um but you gotta time it though don't you so well, that, i mean that's part of it is timing i mean the guys that played on the the pk last year played consistently the whole year and they they got a chemistry so they knew when you play with someone over and over again, okay, if the puck's going, I know he's gone, I go here. And then, okay, if the puck goes over there, I know that he's going to let me go through this way. They, so they didn't have to think. And right now, there's there's no cleft bomb, and tonight there was no Russell. Both penalty killed last year. There was no Kara in the lineup, and there's no Shea So there's four guys that were consistent penalty killers for the Oilers last year that weren't in the lineup today. That that's so now you're bringing new guys in. A Jones is penalty killing. A Cuckoo's be- penalty kicking. Kellen, a Yamamoto who unfortunately tonight the, was at fault at the one not getting the puck out. So you're having a lot of other guys that are coming into your lineup trying to penalty kill and replace guys that were from the second best penalty killing in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and that's and that's another thing is not clearing pucks. Oh, that's we, big, and we yes. saw that the year that through the first two-thirds of the season, I mean, at one point their penalty kill was 54% on home ice, how often they would get yeah. the puck and shoot it. And one thing I've noticed with no fans is how often a bench gets up and will slap the boards when a power play point man holds the puck in. I, I, mm. That's one thing I hadn't noticed. I mean, I've noticed it for block shots yeah. and guys after they fight or, or, or take a big hit. I had never noticed that. Because you'd never heard it before. Because, yeah, now it's so quiet. Yeah. And it happened a couple times each way tonight when a defenseman held the puck in, even if it was a flub clear. Yeah. And <laughs> he held it in. The guys are slamming their sticks on 
on the bench. But yeah, the, and Toronto ha, and the one Spezza kept in was one the Oilers didn't clear. Maybe a little bit different on that one because that was the one the long way around. Yeah, well, you're right. That was the one where he was going to change. Yeah. And if the Oilers would have shot it a little harder, Spezza wouldn't have had someone yell at him to stop, turn, and find the puck before it gets out. So again, it was a bad clear that Spezza was allowed to stop the puck and make a playoff. Yeah, so again, like everything we're talking about, like we said earlier, all these little moments are Mm -hmm. adding up to losing by... By a goal, goal or, goal or yeah. two in most of their losses. Yeah. Where if you if you win some of these little situations, well, it, maybe it's, maybe it's different. You take one game. The Oilers were outclassed in one game against them. Was it the Montreal game? Other than that, the the Oilers are it's key in, moments. It's yeah. key moments. They're lo- or they're not winning enough of them. Yep. And it's and, and sometimes it's been lack of execution at the offensive end too. A flub oh, pass sure. or well, it or was whatever. It was in. Uh, T- tonight, well, t- the game where, where Jones has a backdoor, that would have been a huge goal for the Edmontoners at the time when uh, Leon hit him backdoor for that chance. And in the game in Winnipeg, uh, was, I think it was that one where Cassian had two breakaways. Neil had chance. If, if the Oilers score on their chances, then they extend leads. They don't. The opposition team gets the big save. And that's, to me, another one is they're just not getting that save that brings the bench off off the bench like they're all standing with cheer like oh that's a goal oh yes we made a save the others aren't getting those moments where we've seen more of those on the opposition net all right seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three we have tony standing by hey tony go ahead um i just had a couple uh comments about this um the one thing that i've been kind of noticing is we are losing like our D-man, or when we're in the defensive zone, we seem to be losing a guy, and the guy will be right open in the slot, and that's when, you know, he either gets a really good shot in or, you know, he gets a goal. It seems like our guys aren't communicating as well as they should be in both the offensive zone and the defensive zone because there are a lot of times where, you know, we'll have like a two-on-one, and and the guy's ready to shoot, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm going to pass it off because, he has a better chance, but the guy dives down and gets a stick in the in the in the play. Like, is it maybe a communication error that you know some of this like some of the stuff is happening because we just seem to be losing a lot of our men from like kind of coming off the board, like coming off the um, coming off the line, like off the bench, or just somebody going right down mid and just shooting the puck right in the net. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Tony. Well, and Rob, you talked about that before the game too. Hockey IQ, mm-hmm. sometimes just being aware, and I think, yeah, communication. And I mean, even when there are fans, sometimes you can hear players shouting to each other. A goalie letting his defenseman know where the four checkers are. There should never be a communication problem this season, because honestly, <laughs> there, there shouldn't be. Because you and I can hear the bench, yeah, and we're in the stands. Like we can hear the bench talking, not not screaming. We hear them talking. So there's sometimes when things get drowned out with crowd noise, with with anything else that's going on around you. You should not right now have a communication problem because you could you could talk in a normal voice on the ice <laughs> and, and people and you could be heard. It's conversationally. Yeah. So hey, uh, excuse me, I think I'm open over yeah. here. Well, it, it, you're right. You don't have to scream over top of anybody. So uh, yeah, the, it, that is an issue when. When, when there's confusion, it's it's making the wrong read as well as not having the communication of someone telling you where you should be or where the puck should go. And the Oilers have been guilty of both of those. Yeah, have to get better there. That's our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com slash hockey. And, and like you said on that Spezza play, 
Yeah. They they yelled at him. He yeah. could, he he's got his back to where the puck is coming. He was skating. He had eyes on the bench, and he had already signaled to the bench he was coming off. And someone, one of the defensemen, the offside defenseman, screamed, "Puck, puck, puck!" He turned, found it, and made a play, and eventually created a goal. And again, that's as you said, if that puck is rimmed with any sort of speed on it, but as he's turning, the puck's going by him. But it was a bad clear, and that, and we, we, I don't know how many times you and I have watched it when the Oilers are on a power play and the opposition tries to clear it and they don't, and we look at each other. Okay, the Oilers are going to score here. You just, you can't give good power plays second or third chances, and the Oilers did that to Toronto tonight, and Toronto made them pay. Yeah, two power play goals for the Leafs officially. They got another one just as the penalty expired. Edmonton's power play did go two for seven, but the Maple Leafs win this game 4-3. 7804960063. We have Tyler on the line who's also going to be our finish the play contestant this evening. Tyler, I can already tell you you got a Hungry Herd premium sampler box. Hungry Herd top quality meats delivered right to your door at everyday low prices. Alberta owned and operated and we'll give do the uh, contest with you after we get your thought of your question here, sir. Fantastic. Thank you guys so much. Uh, first off, I'd like to say thank you guys so much for taking me my call. I, I don't think I've missed an Oilers game in about 20 years now. Uh, if I'm not watching it, I'm listening to it. I'm a long-haul truck driver right now. I'm driving through Salt Lake City. Wow. And uh, listening on the app. Never oh, miss nice. a game. That's cool. Um, I'm going to be very honest, guys. This is probably one of my most disheartening seasons I've ever seen. Like, h- how many Oilers fans went into this year with confidence in their goalie? And Mike Smith gets hurt right off the bat. And I don't see any kind of 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 of, of any kind of uh, solution for our goalie situation right now. Are we just going to continue to wait for Mike Smith to come back and and watch this game after game after game? Uh, I love Ken Holland, um, and I think what he's going to do is great once we get uh, some salary off the books. But come on, guys, we need a goalie, and we need it now because I don't think that this is going to get any better anytime soon. Thank well, you. unfortunately. I- you you have pointed out a, a a stark and harsh reality, I think. And, and now, when when you talk about Oilers fans having confidence, they probably had more confidence in Koskinen than Smith. But now yeah. the problem is Koskinen is, is playing every game. And I you know I said it on my show last night, uh, and and earlier in the season, I I think that was probably a mistake by Ken Holland not to protect Forsberg. Not that he's a Vesna candidate, but he probably could have spelled out. Uh, Spilled off Koskinen. It's going to be tough to to trade for a legitimate starting goaltender. You're not going to be able to. Every team needs two goalies this year. I mean, the, the, or three. Or three. Well, yeah. yeah, you need three, but you need two quality ones. Your third one's going to be a little bit of a drop off, and that's what Forsberg was. But you need so no one's going to trade their backup goaltender to you to to spell you because they can't afford it as well. And if you trade with an American team, you don't get them for two, two weeks. Two weeks, which is seven yeah. games. But, I mean, Tyler's right. It's not, it's not, it's not a good situation. It, it isn't. And uh, I can't even pronounce it. Who's the kid that's coming? What's his name? Grizz? Oh, Troy Groznick. Groznick. Yeah. Groznick. I mean, he might play Sunday, and he's going to have been on the ice twice. I don't know if he'll play that soon. I don't and know. again, he's played two NHL games. Ever. He's been an excellent AHL goalie. Yeah. But, again, for... Ten years he's been in pro hockey or whatever and hasn't made the NHL. Yeah, so, so you got you to be realistic. He's not the savior, is what you're saying. All right, Tyler, it was a good call. We're going to finish the play with you here. We have Cody who's cooked up a little bit of audio tonight. What do you have? Two on one and over the leaf line. Drysaddle waits to Cahoon. Oh, the save by Anderson over to Drysaddle off the outside of the net. 
All right, Dominic Cahoon still looking for his first goal. It was close there. All right, Tyler, it sounds like you're a pretty, uh, pretty knowledgeable hockey fan. Dominic Cahoon has played for three other NHL teams besides the Oilers. Can you name one of them? Wow, I just completely locked up here all of a sudden. Well, I'll tell you what, Rob Brown played for one of them when he played. I might, he might have played for two that he's up Oh, yeah, on. he played for two. Yeah. Rob, Rob, Rob played <laughs> for two. I cannot believe I'm spacing out. I've been, I've been, I've been dreaming about calling you guys forever, and I'm, I'm, I'm just completely I will give you a hint. Yeah, big hint here, Rob. I'll give you a hint. Okay. There's three great players that played for this one franchise. I'm only going to give you their first names. Mario, Yarmir, and Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to make a guess here, guys, but could it be Pittsburgh? Oh, you got it. Tyler, have a safe drive, buddy. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys so much for taking my call, and, and let's just all hope it gets better. Yeah, well, stay on hold, though. we got to put your name in the grand prize draw for a $1,000 gift certificate to Visions Electronics. That's presented by PF Custom Countertops. Support local with a PF renovation. Get started at pfcustomcountertops.com. We still got the big drum back at 6.30, Chet. Kellen writes Tyler's name on a slip of paper, puts it in the big drum, turns the crank. Well, you don't have to turn the crank till the end of the year when we do the drum. I'm going to go write my name on a bunch of those. You can't go to the station. I'm going to go write we're, my Oh, I know we can't. That does suck. So that's why we're here. And yeah, we're good home, point. Well, I guess for home games, we're And we got here. new plexiglass in front of us now. We do have new plexiglass. It's. I, I feel like I'm an item at a buffet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, are Bob and Jack going to come and scoop me up? I hope not. Or we're like in the aquarium. Someone's <laughs> looking at us in our little We're fish. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's, it's. Well, you could be the penguin exhibit, literally. Actually, I did a commercial <laughs> in Pittsburgh once for a movie theater, and I was in a penguin exhibit. It is really stinky in a penguin exhibit. <laughs> Seriously. Like, really? I was like, oh, gross. You had was, to yeah. interact with the penguins? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And it was really, really smelly. So they're not hygienic animals? Uh, no, not at all. It was Okay, like, so let me ask you this. And I, you know, it's 11:35 at night. I can phrase it this way. No. Was it the bird themselves, the birds themselves that stunk or was it their excrement? It was their living conditions. <laughs> their living conditions. It would not be somewhere that you would want to share. You you don't want them as bunkmates. How close were you to the penguins? I don't know, a few feet. How big were they? Well, now they, you, again, my memory's not good. I don't remember breakfast. Were they above your but knee? I think they'd be around my knee. All right. Yeah, they maybe yeah, maybe oh, a little bit. No, a little bit taller than that. It was it was cool. It was neat, but it was uh, it was like you you wanted to get out of that area very very quickly and go have a shower, a long long shower. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Robert standing by. Leafs win at four three. Hey, Robert, go ahead. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Well, I enjoyed Rob's penguin story. <laughs> how are you? Oh, trying to trying to, uh, trying to pull myself together after that. That was pretty funny, but anyway. Yeah, no, I think, uh, no, no, I think tonight, you know, overall, I think it was, you know, the Oilers, the Oilers played okay. But again, didn't get the big save on the, the penalty kill when they needed it. And you know, the power play again was good. But again, would again the problem that that uh, and well, well, and I'm sure you guys would uh, probably agree with this. But the but the problem that seems to have reared its ugly head again is that the Oilers are only a threat 
when the top two lines are out. I mean, yeah, Cassian, Cassian got one tonight, which was good, but for the most part, the top two lines are a threat, and then when lines three and four are out, the other team, uh, the other team really doesn't have to worry. So, like, uh, I think, uh, so yeah, I mean, like, I'm, a, so I mean, I, I, I kind of wonder if, uh, no, and I, I know we've said this before. You know, like we're not. I don't, I don't think we're going to see the Drysaddle Yamamoto Nuge line back together simply because, like you guys had mentioned earlier, that that leaves McDavid with nobody to play with. So, no, yeah, I mean, but uh, but as for as for next game for for lineup changes, and I honestly, I would I would I would put I would put Patrick Russell back in. I think I think taking him out tonight was a was a bit of a mistake, and then. Uh, and, uh, on defense, I think uh, I said th- I think we need to put uh, Chris Russell back in. And honestly, I say th- I think uh, I, th- I think you know th- I think Caleb Jones needs to come out because I think I think if you look at the, you look at the, the winning goal by Matthews there. I think uh, I think if, if that had been Chris Russell, I think there's a there's a higher chance, not a guarantee, but a higher chance that that shot might have gotten blocked instead of Jones turning to the side and allowing the shot to get through. But Yeah, that's fair. But yeah. but but yeah, no, I think uh, you know what as for this as for this back to back here on Sunday, you know, or coming up here, I mean, yeah, Koskinen Koskinen he'll he's he's got to play on on Saturday even if Grosnick is here. That's honestly uh, honestly if, as you know, you know, he Grosnick hasn't played for a while, and Skinner wants Skinner. Skinner's not ready. That's just, I think, uh, you know, I think honestly, I think that wouldn't be fair to the kid. You, you throw him to the wolves and make him play the yeah. Leafs in his first in the first game. So yeah, I think so. Like Koskinen, he's got to play Saturday, and maybe you know, and maybe Grosnick plays Sunday, depending on how Saturday goes. But I honestly, I think if. If we can, if we can find, we can salvage a split here with Toronto. Then we got, then we got Ottawa coming in here. There's honestly no reason that following this homestand, the Oilers can't be six and six, and they can just reset and maybe try and maybe try and get something going. Yeah, thanks, Robert. Well, I mean, you gotta. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a good record. No, we're seeing basically Toronto and Montreal beat everybody. Yeah, Win- Winnipeg has uh, a good record. Some of that's come at the expense of Ottawa. Well, they they split with Edmonton. The other teams have had the advantage of playing Ottawa, right? Right. So that's but that but now with the Oilers' record like this, it makes it even more crucial that they oh. win both against yeah, Ottawa. Absolutely, and, and I they mean, do. Here's the thing: if 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 the Oilers, okay, total hypothetical, yep. if if Toronto and Montreal run away with the division, which is possible, then then the Oilers have to try to at least split or better with everybody else and pound Ottawa. Like, you got to go 7-2 and two against Ottawa. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, but, but, I mean, it's even more crucial because you haven't <laughs> banked any points early, like last year where they, they, they banked stuff early. I wonder, too, you know, Robert was talking about some lineup stuff. I, I wonder if Bouchard plays. Well, they keep, they've, they've mentioned. Like, he got, he was a little, a little sore or got tweaked something earlier in the week. Maybe we would have seen him earlier. Uh, I mean, could you go with... Eleven forwards. Well, Nygaard only played six and a half. Yeah, I mean the 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 advantage when you go with eleven forwards. Shore only played six. Yeah, the advantage when you go with eleven forwards is you've got Connor and Leon that you can double shift. 
but they all they play a ton already. Like, Dry yeah. Settle <laughs> played twenty seven forty nine. McDavid played twenty five fifty two. Nuge played twenty seven sixteen. In the pro, yeah, and you're about to play three games in four nights, and that's another problem with Koskinen. Um, three games in four nights is tough for any player, let alone a big goaltender. Uh, so I, do they? This guy come in? Does he come in and play? Like I. If, well, if, maybe Skinner does get a game. I don't know. I, I, I see. I, I realize I think it's, that's an awful I think situation to I think throw it's, him in. I think the other kid has a chance of playing before Skinner. That's my guess. Not on Saturday. No, not on Saturday. I'm thinking Sunday. Even that's quick. I agree, Bad. but if if Skinner was capable of playing, they would have played him already. My well, thought. but unless it's reached such a desperate time where you just can't, you can't play Koskinen back to back, but but I agree that's an awful situation to put him in because of. I mean, if you're six and three. Then, oh, you might, then you might say, okay, Stuart, this is, here's your game. And the pressure, here's your other pressure, too, is you play Toronto. And regardless of the outcome of that game, you, we've already talked about everybody has beaten Ottawa. So you have so to. So you have to. It's like, when you, you, it's like an easy par five. Everyone in the field has birdied the par five. You have to birdie the par five or you're losing a stroke. So if you're playing against Ottawa, you have to beat Ottawa on home ice. I mean, they're in this a longer road trip. They're struggling. They're giving up a ton of goals. So now you throw in Skinner. It's a must win. Yeah. So you're, you're putting this kid in who has, you know, he, he was an afterthought of being a goaltender. He was your number four guy. You're putting him in a game and he has to win. Now it is Ottawa, but Ottawa today against Vancouver, I think they had 37 shots on net or something along that line. It's not like they're getting outshot badly in hockey games. They're getting shots on net, so you're putting a kid in and saying, okay, you have to win this game, and you might have to make 33, 34 saves. By the way, a par five that gives up a lot of birdies, that would be considered a cordial hole in the polite <laughs> golf terms. There is, I've yet to find a cordial hole when I play. Oilers lose 4-3 to the Maple Leafs. You'll hear from Captain Connor McDavid when we get back to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. All right, the Maple Leafs win it 4-3 over the Oilers. Penalty-filled affair. Oilers were two for seven on the power play. Maple Leafs were two for four. Some of the penalty decisions were certainly highly debatable <laughs> tonight, both uh, really to the benefit of the Oilers for, uh, for the most part. They did capitalize on a two-man advantage to get back in it late in the second period. Matthews got the game winner at 13-36 of the third. That was on a power play. Here are some post-game comments courtesy Mattress Superstar of Oilers Captain Connor McDavid. Hey, Connor. Um, obviously, there was a lot that kind of happened in that game, so I won't be too specific, but just how do you feel your group played overall tonight uh, in the loss? I uh, didn't like our first two periods at all, especially our first. I thought our, our second period did a, an alright job of just settling the game down. Um, you know, we found a way to hang around, and, and uh, you know, I thought the third period was pretty good. Um, you know, minus uh, a couple of you know penalties and, and you know uh, obviously PK goals against. So, um, you know, lots of power plays both ways, and um, kind of a weird game. But I thought. Uh, our game wasn't where it needed to be at all. Jim Matheson, Post Media. Connor, is it too tough in this league to fall behind a couple of goals, especially through the Leafs, who, who can score lots? I mean, you, you have to, you dug yourself out of the hole, but you know, you're, you played catch up the whole game. Um, yeah, it's definitely not uh, not easy to chase games. Um, you know, so. 
liked, uh, liked how we were able to find ways to get back um, to even, but you know, when we, when we get it to even, we got to hold it there um, you know, and keep building on that. So, um, yeah, I mean, you said it's, it's tough to, to play catch up all the time, but um, yeah. Um, the penalty killing last year was so good, and yet it's not as good this year. Is it all cyclical? I mean, you were so good last year, but this year uh, your penalty killing's not quite good enough, and when you needed the kills in the third period, uh, you didn't get them. Um, yeah, I mean, penalty killing's a... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not on the penalty kill, so it's not my, not my place to really comment on it. Um, you know, it's not an easy thing to, to go out there and, and uh, you know, be expected to... Uh, to um, you know, get lanes and, and stuff like that, but that's what we need to, 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 to do. Um, you know, but uh, it's not an easy job, but I have a ton of respect for those guys, and they do a great job, uh, you know, each and every night and, and, and trying to kill them off. And um, you know, tonight obviously didn't go our way, but I got nothing but faith, uh, you know, they'll figure it out. Mark Spector, Sportsnet. You're you know, nine games in here and, and three and six, and trying to still figure it out, right? You guys are trying to find 60 minutes every night. You're sort of looking in different places every day. Can you describe the patience level of your team? Can you describe where you guys are kind of mentally here? Well, I mean, we're nine games in. I think we're done figuring it out here. Um, yeah, we need to start putting together games. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> like, I, are there more than a couple areas to look at here? You know, every night we ask you about a different part of the game that didn't work tonight, and then the next night it's something else. Does that disconcerting? I guess it's not the same thing every night, right? It's something different every night. It seems like. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, you know. Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 something new. Um, you know, one night it's a power play. You know, one night it's a little bit of a lull. One night it's uh, um, it's another thing. So, um, you know, we have to, to collectively come together and uh, put together you know 60 full minutes. I mean, it sounds so cliche, but um, you know, all areas need to be uh, need to be to be riding together, and um, you know, that hasn't happened for us yet, but. You know, last year we were able to get off to a good start, and, and then we kind of fall or kind of you know lingered around a bit, and, and you know ran 500 for a bit. So uh, you know, obviously we didn't uh, we didn't get the good start we wanted, but you know, lots of time to battle back here. Jason Greger, TSN 1260. Connor, if, if there's been one theme this year, is you guys really make it harder on yourself. You'll play good, and then you, you kind of give up easy goals. And, you know, teams don't do that to you. How, how do you have to eliminate the, the easy goals that you're giving other teams? I'm not really sure what you mean by easy goals. Um, you know, sometimes when you're playing catch-up, you know, you're pressing for, for offense, and, and you give something up going the other way. Um, you know, that's, uh, you know, every team does that. Um, you know, we're not the only ones that do that, but, uh, you know, the fact that we're playing catch-up is, is on us. So, um, I've got to find a way to play from the front and, um, you know, control games a little better. Okay, Jason Greger, no follow-up. Tim Campbell. Hunter, what, uh, what has helped the power play in the last few games find some of its mojo? I think, uh, you know what, we were always... Uh, 
getting chances. Um, you know, even when the puck wasn't going in, I thought uh, we were doing a good job getting chances and, and generating things. Sometimes the puck just doesn't go. Um, you know, so it's 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 kind of bouncing around for us now, and and it's finding guys uh, guys sticks uh, to to tap them in. So, um, you know, that's. Uh, that's the funny thing. I think Gully talks a lot about, you know, painting the same picture and eventually it's going to go. So, um, you know, I've liked our power play throughout. I thought, you know, it faltered a little bit in, in, in Toronto, but uh, I like where we've been at. Scott Connor McDavid. Rob, do you know what easy goals means? Yeah, <laughs> when they're wide open backdoor passes from Mario. That was easy. <laughs> I, know, I know what the question was being asked. As a player, you don't want to... Say, well, you just told me that we're giving up EV goals to the other team. So I could see Connor McDavid did not appreciate the question. And I'm sure uh, after a loss, he, some it's hard actually talking to the media after a loss. And I give credit to the players that do. It's not always easy because some of the questions you don't want to hear, some of the questions you don't want to answer. Um, I love when they asked him about penalty killing. Yeah, I don't play there. Not my Not my spot. But uh, I know what, what Jason Greger, I think that's who asked. He, he wanted, the question was, you know, the two-on-ones or the three-on-ones. Yeah. Well, it's basically what Tippett was saying, yep. self-inflicted stuff. Oh, it is. And they, I wouldn't call, I, yeah, I wouldn't call them easy goals. A better way of saying is uh, grade-A scoring chances you give up because you messed up. Right. Or goals that are the results of your mistakes that the, you don't make the other team earn to the extent yep. that they that they should. Well, you shorten the ice for them, and the Oilers have done that a lot, where they shorten the ice, and they. It's one thing for for Austin Matthews to, he and Marner come down and they make a great play two on two, and they beat you going hard to the net, and they score a goal that way. It's another play where you throw a puck away and bobble it, and all of a sudden they got a two yeah. on one. Well, and and again, the the first goal of the game tonight, and I remember. Dave Tippett made a comment last year. I think it was about a younger player who was coming. I can't remember if it was Jones or Bear or somebody like that. But he, but he said there are NHL caliber plays mm -hmm. that are difficult, but an NHL player makes them pretty much all the time. Yep. And and I would categorize the first goal against tonight as uh, an NHL play that, okay, the goalie's got to come out quick. He's got to stop yep. it, and he's got to make a play with it quick and the, the defenseman on the forwards coming back have to read that and know where to go and it's not necessarily an easy play but it should be executed pretty much all the time and if it doesn't you should have something set up or your goalie should be able to recover and make a save and well, none of that happened no i don't actually i don't play. i don't know about the second part where they should be able to when you when you make that mistake then you've given them an easy opportunity and the thing is on the game tonight that was a, a, a mistake made by Koskinen trying to play the puck. He, did, he had about two or three other ones. That wasn't the only mistake he had playing the puck. There is such a difference between Mike Smith and, and Koskinen when it comes to playing the puck. And tonight, unfortunately for Koskinen, that one came back and bit him. All right, so the Maple Leafs win it 4-3. You can get more on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Our next game broadcast is Saturday, 3.30 face-off show game at 5. Once again, Edmonton against Toronto. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer here at Rogers Place, and to Cody Jansen and Kellen Kennedy, our studio producers back at 6.30 Ched. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Good night! 
6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.